Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Good morning, men. How are you? It is good to be in God's house. Uh, You guys are actually the first live audience I've preached to in about nine months. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm used to like, where's the camera and... Chris and I were talking about how, you know, you have to stay within a certain, so, uh, so pray for me, pray for me as a, I want to honor this house. I want to honor the shepherd that's at this house and pastor Eric in a season where pastors are feeling the pressure. Many have had to leave and close churches because, uh, they found it too difficult. The Lord has strengthened you and I praise God for that. For the vision that he has in you, that he has sustained in you and through you. I praise the Lord for that. Brother Elbert, it's good to see you. And uh, I believe that as you continue to be transformed, that these men will be transformed. Um, and of course, I have to give a shout out to my very good friend, Chris Goes. Uh, I love you, brother. And so, um, man, that worship was fire. Uh, I was like, you're preaching, you're preaching the sermon, bro. Just go ahead. Like, go ahead. I just felt like that was so on point. And, uh, so anyway, very excited. Uh, tomorrow I will be married for 12 years. Yeah. And, uh, I have three girls and, uh, it's amazing. Uh, everyone in my house is a girl. We have a dog, and she's a girl. Everybody's a girl. Uh, But I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I absolutely love it. Um, My girls have me wrapped around their finger, as any girl dad in here knows. Um, And they can get away with stuff uh, with me that they can't with their mom, you know. Uh, Becca... That's my wife. She uh, she doesn't she doesn't believe anything. Like <laughs> she'll be like, uh, you know, she'll be like, wait a minute, you know, who who grabbed the last of the candy, you know? And they'll be like, I don't know. And the next person, I don't know. Next person, I don't know. And I'm like, babe, they don't know. <laughs> you know, don't know. She's like, Roger, really? <laughs> you know? And and the way we discipline slightly different. You know, I'll come in and be like, I'm like, babies, come here. Look at this room. Can you can you please just maybe pick a little bit, just a few minutes. Just pick it up a little bit. Would that be okay? I'll, I'll come back in and check on you. You know, I come in, nothing's done. You know, so I get real firm and I say, uh, babies, come here. And they'll be like, yes, daddy. You know, they, they look up at you all cute and innocent and you, you want to get mad, but you know, and, uh, and the next thing you know, you hear my wife's voice down the hall. I'm coming to see if that room's clean. All of us are on the floor cleaning up. All of us. I mean, I'm like, this ain't even my room. Why am I clean? Like, what's going on? Yes, ma'am. You know, it's just so different. Um, but I'm excited to celebrate 12 years. And uh, it's been quite a journey. Um, and I believe that, uh, that what will happen here this morning um, is going to be in many ways um, a pivotal point 
um, as we go forward in the future of what God has for you in your life. And, and it is uh, an honor to be able to lay the foundation for what I know is going to be a powerful message uh, later today. And so, Pastor Johnny, it's good to meet you. Um, and I'm glad that you are here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge your splendor and your glory. We acknowledge how pure you are and how mighty you are. We acknowledge that you are full of grace and mercy. We acknowledge your omnipotence. We acknowledge your omniscience, God. We acknowledge that you are in control. We acknowledge that you are above the earth and in the earth and beneath the earth. We acknowledge that there is no place that we can run and no place that we can go. There is no far, the star that is too far from you, God. We acknowledge that you are everywhere and we praise you for it. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, because we come here today on bent knee and bowed heart, Lord God, to hear from you. I pray, Lord God, that this word that has been anointed, Lord God, will be received well in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. He was one of this morning because this text is in the middle of a battle. And in fact, it's not just the text that's in the middle of a battle, but you yourselves are in one too. And so let me just say from the outset that the fact that you are in a fight does not mean that you have weak faith. The sign that you are struggling with something does not mean that you are far from God. Let me just say that right now so we can get all the ego and pride and worried about having to look holy out the door right now. And we can just admit, yeah, I struggle with stuff. I'm struggling right now. We can just, we can just say it right now. And so Jesus, I believe, is living in your heart, but I believe there's some roommates in there as well. He, he's got some company. He, he's there, he's there. But there's other people and other things living in there that is also affecting your decision-making and your thoughts and your attitudes and your mentalities. So he's there, but he has some roommates. And so the title of the message today is Killing the Kings in Me. Killing the Kings in Me. Because I believe that Joshua's outside circumstances might be your inside dilemma. And this dilemma is strong, so strong that sleep isn't fixing it. So strong that Netflix and Amazon Prime ain't fixing it. So strong that the Xbox ain't taking it away. So strong that when you do get a chance to go and see some coworkers or hang out with the brothers, it's not taking it away. And in this season, season especially, there has been exposure in your life. See, when COVID began to shut things down, we thought, well, it'll be for a few days. And then as you know, a few days turned into a few weeks and a few weeks turned into a few months. And now nine months later. And during this time, we said, well, you know, you know, this is how I'm going to get really close to God. This is it. I'm going to get really close. I'm going to pray more and read my Bible more. And, and, and this is where I'm going to begin to really do good. But all you did was busy up your life even more. And you thought you were going to become spiritually stronger, but something else happened. 
You thought your porn intake was going to decrease, but it increased. You thought your anger was gonna dissipate, but it grew. You thought your impatience would leave, but it's still lingering. And instead of your stress level depleting, it multiplied. You didn't get less frustrated during this time, but more. You didn't get less annoyed during this time, but more. And instead of your inner battle de-escalating, it escalated. So what do we do? Joshua chapter 10, starting in verse 14, says this. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. During the battle, five kings escaped and hid in a cave in Mecca. When Joshua heard that they had been found, he issued command, cover the opening of the cave with a large rocks and place guards at the entrance to keep the kings inside. The rest of you uh, go uh, and continue chasing down the enemy and cut them down from the rear. Do not give them a chance to get back to their towns for the Lord your God has given you victory over them. So Joshua and the Israelite army continued to slaughter and completely crush the enemy. They were totally wiped out, the five army armies, except for a tiny remnant that managed to reach, uh, reach their four to five towns. Then the Israelites returned safely to Joshua in the camp of Mekedah. After that, no one dared to speak even a word against Israel. Then Joshua said, remove the rocks covering the opening of the cave and bring the five kings to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave and the kings of Jerusalem and uh, Hebron and Jermuth and Lachish and Eglon. When they brought them out, Joshua told the commanders of his army, come, 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 put your feet on the king's neck. And they did as they were told. Don't ever be afraid or discouraged, Joshua told his men. Be strong and courageous for the Lord is going to do this to all your enemies in Jesus' name. I believe that God wants to bless you to be able to make it to where you can put your feet on the neck of your enemy, even if the enemy is in me. And the children of Israel have taken the promised land and they're under the leadership of Joshua at this point. And the Gibeonites who were already in the land had gathered to come against the children of Israel. And the Gibeonites said, listen, if we can't beat them, let's join them. So at first the Gibeonites were gonna join the children of Israel. But then there were five kings that refused to ally ally with Joshua. And so they waged war largely because they were upset with the Gibeonites for changing sides. And so Joshua is taking on the battle and Joshua and his army are fighting so hard and so skillfully that the five kings who were once chasing them are now fleeing and hiding But this fight was important because Joshua was trying to get back the land that was originally his. And any time that you are trying to get something back that you once had, there will be a fight. 
Whether you're trying to get back the love of your kids or the trust of your spouse or the loyalty of a friend. Maybe you're trying to get back finances out of and come out of debt. Maybe you're trying to get back your life or mistakes that you made that, that seem to be haunting you down. Uh, and, you're, and you're trying to face the consequences. And, and, but there's a fight. There's a fight. Anytime you're trying to get something back, there'll be a fight. And don't think just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't have to. Now, this will make sense in a minute, but watch this. Saved does not mean that you will not encounter issues and pains and problems. And so just because you're on the side of right don't mean you don't have to fight. But sometimes God will deliver you out of your situation. Other times he'll deliver you in it. You have to remember that how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got freed was not outside of the furnace, but in it. They were, they were tied up outside. In order for them to be unbound, they had to be in the furnace. And whether you're trying to get back, it doesn't, whatever it is, you need to know that there are often times where the path of the righteous don't just go up mountains, but go down valleys. We're okay with the Bible when the Bible says that he will lead your paths and he will bless your steps and he will guide you. We're okay as long as he's guiding us up. But when he starts guiding us down, we say, what the heck? When all of a sudden Christianity is no longer convenient. Y'all don't want to talk to me today. That's okay. I'll preach to myself. But the proof of the power of the presence of God is not in the absence of the attack. Get this. But God's presence is not a promise that there won't be pain. But God's presence is is a promise that he'll be with you through it. And so Joshua is fighting this army and the leaders of the army, the kings have hidden themselves in caves. And Joshua took stones and said, put all these stones in front of the cave and just keep them there. In other words, in other words, I have not conquered them yet, but, but at least let me try to keep them under control, right? How many people in this room today, how many men have things that you haven't conquered yet? Can we admit that? Can we be vulnerable enough and truthful and say, I haven't conquered it yet, but I'm trying to keep it under control, I, have, I, I, I still have a bad temper, but I'm trying to keep it under control. I'm very insecure, but I'm trying to keep it under control. I have fear issues, but I'm trying to keep it under control. I tend to quit things and never finish them, but I'm trying to keep it under control. I have commitment issues, but I'm trying to keep it under control. I have integrity issues and lying issues, but I'm trying to keep it under control. I have pride issues, but I'm trying to keep it under control. And you can't see it because I put a bunch of rocks in front of it. See, this is where dating messes us up, man. Because the person that you dated, guess what? They have caves. She has caves and you have caves. And the thing is in the dating process, we don't let anybody see what's in our cave. But three weeks in the marriage, all of a sudden, some of these little pebbles start coming down and some of these boulders start moving. And, and all of a sudden you're like, what, what is this? I thought I knew you. <clears throat> right? My goodness. 
So here Joshua had five kings, five different things. Allow me to be a little allegorical here within the context of this text. And I'm not trying to create a pretext, but I am just trying to make this to where we understand what it is that God is speaking today. But, but let me just say this. He has five kings and, and these are five kings and, and really they represent sort of five different authorities. And he's trying to control them all at the same time. See, it's not just that you have one thing you're trying to control. It's multiple things. Multiple things at multiple levels. People say that men are simple. No, men are complex. We're complex. We are complex and we are emotional and we process inward and we have caves. And these caves aren't just for a pool table. These caves aren't just for a couch. We put things in this cave that we're trying to keep in control, but that we don't really want to deal with. So you may still be tempted by it. You may still be tested by it. It may still remind you that it's there, but at least he tries to have it under control. It's almost like for those uh, who have high blood pressure, you take a pill. The pill helps you keep your high blood pressure under control. But the pill is different than healing, right? Healing means you don't have to take the pill. But until the Lord chooses to heal you, then you take the pill to keep keep it under control. And if you don't get things under control, you will lose the battle over here because of something that you didn't take care of over here. You see that? You, 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 are, you are trying to succeed in some certain area and for some reason it's not working out and you can't figure out why and it's because the real problem lies over there. And, 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 you know, maybe you're trying to get your kids to live a certain way and it's not happening or trying to get your business off the ground or maybe you're trying to get your career lined up or maybe you're trying to take care of mom and dad and it's just becoming harder and harder. Maybe your family, maybe you're, maybe you're physically there, but you're not emotionally available. Whatever it is, there's a certain areas in your life that you may be trying to be successful in and you cannot figure out the issue. And it's because you have not connected the dots. You don't realize that that this over here is connected to that over there. And that what's over here is still commanding over here. You see what I'm saying? One time there was a leak in my house. And I said, oh, look at the water damage. And so I called up a friend. I said, listen, we need to start working right here. He said, no, that's not where you work. He said, that's just where the damage revealed itself. I don't know. Right? Can I be vulnerable at this men's conference? I know as men, we're supposed to like, you know, you know those things. No, I did not know. I am the blinker fluid dude. All right? That's me. I will look for it. And then somebody says, I was just kidding. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. Jerk. <laughs> right? And so, he, and so here's that. I didn't know. He said, no, no, no. That, that's just where it's revealed. But that's not where it actually is coming from. See what I'm saying? And, and, and he says, listen, it just showed up over here, but the leak came from over there. And many times things will show up in your life, but in reality, it's coming from somewhere else. Wow. 
And sometimes we are more focused on trying to fix the side effect instead of the source. And so what I want to do is there's really only two points to my message today. Somebody say amen to that. Yeah, we got to eat, praise God. And so, you know, preacher this size, you know, he takes, he takes meals into consideration. When I looked at that menu and I saw, and when I looked at that schedule right there that you sent me and I saw that there was a meal, I said, okay, that lets me know how short this message is going to be. And I might spend a few more minutes on point number one and then I'll fly by point number two and we'll just let Jesus rock you, okay? And so what happens is sometimes we are so busy trying to fix the side effect that we're not fixing the source. And so we're fighting, but we're fighting tired and we're not getting anywhere. And that's because we're not fighting and focusing on the right thing. So let me help you identify some sources. So point one is identify what are you fighting? What are you fighting? What are you fighting? And there could be a multiplicity of things. So let me just help you with some of that. So that way you can begin to understand. Watch this, watching pornography. That is just a side effect. Why do we like porn so much? Why? There's several reasons. One, it's because it allows us to have instant gratification and allows us to be lazy. It, it, it allows us to be selfish. It takes sex and it makes it all about you and gratifying your needs. That's what it does. It twists it and it perverts it. And it says, it's all about, it's going to satisfy me. Watching porn keeps me in control. Why do I want to be in control? Because I have a God complex, little g. In other words, the root of it is that I actually want to have control over my life. I want to be God of my life. I don't want to fully submit all of my life to another authority that is higher than me. I will let Jesus be my savior, but not my Lord. He can save me out of stuff, but don't start telling me how to do things. Y'all see what I'm saying? And, but when I watch porn, it puts me in control. And now I'm doing the same thing that Adam did. When Adam and Eve took the fruit and ate of the fruit, what they were really saying is, I want to be the definers of morality. I want to be the one that says what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. I want to be my own God. You see that? So porn, just a side effect. You see what I'm saying? And there's a deeper issue there that oftentimes you do not address because it is buried in your cave and you're focused over here, right? I yell at my kids and I get angry, right? Why? Well, I got angry because, you know, is it really because they did something wrong? No, I got angry because they embarrassed me. That's why. Why do they embarrass me? Because I care what other people think about me. Why do I care about what other people think about me? Because I have rejection issues. Because I want to be accepted. Because I want to be liked. I want to be in. I don't want people to think negative of me. You see what I'm saying? So when my kids act a certain way in front of people, I get embarrassed about it. So I get angry. Well, anger really isn't the sin. It's, it's this other thing over here where I want to be accepted. I hitting anything? 
Because see, what, what ends up happening is we spend all of our time trying to modify our behavior, but never transform our heart. And so you're into, and so, right, so you are into behavior modification and not heart transformation, and that's a problem. Let me give you an example. I was counseling this married couple, and what really happened was the guy came in, and he said, Pastor Roger, listen, um, check it out. My wife's about to divorce me, and I can't. I, I, I'll do whatever it takes. I don't, want to, I, I, I don't want her to leave me. So we sat down, and we talked, and she said, listen, you're mean to me. You belittle me. You are emotionally abusive towards me. And he says, I'll change, I'll change. Tell me what to do. I'll start doing it. Let me know, I'm sorry. So for a few weeks, he did real good. For a few months, he did really good. Six months later, seven months later, everything started to slowly come back. Slowly come back. Why? Why? Because all he was doing was trying to modify his behavior. See, the real reason he didn't want the divorce, as long as the threat of her leaving was in his life, as long as that was an urgent, real threat, then all of a sudden he'd act right. Why? Because he doesn't want her to leave. Why? Because he, he doesn't want, he wants to make sure that everybody thinks he got it together. He doesn't want to have another failure in his life. Another thing for him to remind himself that he's failing. Another thing for somebody to point out. He doesn't want to do that. He needs it to look like he's got it all together, that everything's good, keeping it good for the kids, everything. You know what I'm saying? And so he just wants to modify his behavior. But as soon as the threat of divorce is off the table, then all of a sudden he goes back to how he was because there was not real transformation. Y'all ain't hearing this. I'm speaking to you. This is for us. And so, and, so, and so here's the thing. There are some kings in your life that are in your cave that we need to deal with. Because somewhere along the way, we dethrone Christ. Anytime I try to be recognized, I dethrone Christ. Anytime I get caught up in power struggles and manipulation and manipulations, I dethrone Christ. When I get defensive because my views are challenged, I dethrone Christ. When I, when I have to have a certain possession or I have to have a certain amount of income or I have to have a certain title or I have to have something else to make me feel valued, then I dethrone Christ. When, when, when I have to try to take back the steering wheel of my life because things aren't going to the, according to the way that I feel that I think that I deserve in this life, then I dethrone Christ. I dethrone God from my life if I demand that he is always to act in ways that satisfy my ideas. Joshua had a conquest. But a conquest without confrontation is a false sense of victory. And so he was having victory over here, fighting off the battles, right? Fighting off these armies, cutting them down, slaying them down. They were running, they were hiding, they were screaming. Victory over here. But see, you can't just have victory here, but not have victory there. Because then it's a false victory. If we win the battle over here, but we never go back to the cave to deal what's with, with what's behind the rock, then I have not won. 
if the stain from the leak is over here, but I don't deal with where the source is coming from and I just take paint and I just keep covering up the stain. What's gonna happen? Eventually that stain's gonna come through again, isn't it? Cover up again, cover up again. And I'll keep covering up until I can't cover up no more and the whole thing just comes down. You see? If I keep ignoring the issue, I will spend the rest of my life trying to to ignore, trying to hide what I will not confront. If I demand excellence from my kids, but I don't change the atmosphere in my house, if I pay off my credit card, but I don't change my spending habits, you see what I'm saying? And here, here, let me just let you in on this. Most of the time, the reason why God has not changed your circumstance is because you have not changed. Because God is more concerned with changing you than your situation. You see what I'm saying? I'm getting a little warmed up here, Scoes. I'm getting a little used to this now. Back to my old self almost. <laughs> but confrontation is hard for some people. And some people associate confrontation with anger. But that's only because it takes you to get angry before you're willing to confront. But it doesn't have to wait that long. You see? It's not necessary. You don't have to break up the whole house just to finally, I don't have to go burn down my house to get rid of the leak. I don't have to do that. And some of y'all during COVID, you're so confused and you're so depressed and you're so depleted that you walk in and you kick the cat and you drown the fish. And I mean, it's just, there's nothing left. Right? (laughs) Confrontation. Confrontation means I refuse to live in denial about an issue that I need to confront. To not confront is not healthy. He had to confront these kings because if he did not, the problem would not go away. He he had to confront these things. So whatever your king is, if it's laziness, you have to confront it. If it's fear, confront it. If it's self-pity or doubt, confront it. If it's low self-esteem, confront it. If it's unforgiveness, confront it. I need to confront the enemy in me. When you go so long without confronting an issue, then your problem becomes your normal. And before long, it's not a problem to you anymore. And that's where the real issue happens. Pastor Eric, the real issue is when people stop fighting because it's just normal. That's the issue. The the real issue, the real warning sign is when you stop fighting it, is when you stop struggling with it. Is when, that's the real problem. Because now it's just become part of your normal. And you're saying, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I talk. That's just the way I think. That's just who I am. I haven't changed in 20 years, not gonna change. That's who I am. Well, listen, as a Christian, that's not an option. Because you can come as you are, but God don't keep you that way. You see what I'm saying? And so... And, and so you, and so there has to be willingness. How much time do I got? Oh, I got to wrap this thing up. Okay, here we go. Worship team, come on, let's go. We're about to do this altar call, whatever we're going to do. Come on, watch this. 
No, I don't want to take any time from, from pastor over there. He has a, okay, watch this. Uh, let's see what we're going to do here. What am I going to do? Skip that one. Skip that one. Skip that one. Okay, watch this. So I didn't see that two minute sign. Praise Jesus. Okay, watch this. Now I smell that food too. So it's kind of, that's the Holy Ghost saying, let's go. Okay, watch this. And so identifying your issues, identifying what you are fighting is important. So that way you know what you're fighting. So identifying it's important. If you're fighting depression, homosexuality, suicide, hate, disappointment, failure, identifying it is important. But what you are fighting is not as important as point two, how you're fighting. It's not really what you fight, but it's how you fight. You see what I'm saying? It's not really what you're carrying, it's how you're carrying that makes the difference. It's not, it's, it's not really what you're struggling with, it's how you're struggling with it. That's the key. And I wonder, as I was reading the text this morning, ooh, look at me, there I am, praise Jesus. <laughs> Glory, all that. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> praise him. <laughs> Bible says that one of David's strengths was he was good looking. I, th- I think I must have just carried that gift, that spiritual gift down. <laughs> I said, yes, Lord, thank you. Uh, <laughs> How, how you fight is so important. And when we were reading the text earlier, I wonder, I wonder if you caught, I wonder if you caught it. Because, because Joshua says the same thing that David says, but oftentimes we overlook it. I'm gonna read to you what David says, and it's not gonna be on the screen because I want you to hear this, but, but check out what David says. David, he's here and, and he's a little boy and he's going down, y'all know the story, right? He's going down and, and, and he's giving his brothers lunch and his brothers are in this fight. He really, no one's fighting though because they're all scared of, of, of this guy called Goliath. And, and, and so he says, well, I'll fight him. And, you know, and then the, he's talking to the king and the king's like, yeah, right, you know, go away, little person who hasn't even been through puberty, get out of here. And, 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 and right, and so, but David's having this conversation and then David says this, he says, no, 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 listen. David said, I've been taking care of my father's sheeps. He said, when a lion or a bear comes and steals a lamb from the flock, he says, I'll go after it and rescue it from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I'll catch it by the jaw and kill it. He says, I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has has defeated the armies of the living God. The Lord God who rescued me from the claw of the lion and from the bear will rescue me from the Philistines. Did you catch that? The Lord God who rescued me from the lion and from the bear. Wait, what? Joshua says, we slaughtered him. We were fighting and we slaughtered him. But verse 14 says this, oh, how the Lord fought that day. Wait a minute, what? See, what they're saying and what we tend to forget, what they're saying is, yeah, I fought and I didn't fight. Paul says it this way. Paul says, yeah, I'm alive, but it's not me who lives, but it's Christ in me. Y'all see what I'm saying? And so, and so what happens, what happens is this, what happens is, is, is it's you fighting, but it's not you fighting. See, this is the problem. How you fight matters. And if you are trying to fight on your merits and your strength and your gifts and your abilities and your intellect and your experience, if you're trying to do that, then guess what? You're going to keep fighting and you're not going to gain an inch. You're not going to gain any ground. 
you're not going to gain it. And, and, and this is the difference. This is huge. This is huge. Because this is the difference between religion and the gospel. We say, okay, well, if I, if I want to be a better husband and I want to do this better and I want to have my finances better and I want to, whatever you want to do better, we say, well, then I'll just need to, you know, straighten up, just straighten up, start acting right, go to church more, pray more, go on, go do it. And, and we begin to think if we just, we just fill out the religious check marks, that, that all of a sudden, somehow that will equate victory. But all you're doing again is religious behavior modification. That's all you're doing. That's religion. It's justification and then sanctification. Ooh, bring it up in the Q&A. I wish we had time for that. Justification will always come before, before sanctification. And religion switches the two, you see. Religion says this, I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. That's what religion says. I obey. If I do these religious things, if I do that, if I change these behaviors, then I'll be accepted. Then I'll see victory. But the gospel says, no, 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 no. You are accepted by God already. And, be, and from that acceptance, you see? And so how you fight matters. In other words, it's not, you don't, you don't say, okay, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight off pornography by just not looking at a computer ever again. That won't do it, friend. You're not going to say, oh, I'm going to fight off being angry by just, you know, taking some yoga classes and, and, and you know, I don't know, singing some songs and humming. Like, that ain't going to do it. Ain't going to do it. Ain't going to do it. Because how you fight matters. How Christians fight is they do not do it on their merits, but they go to Jesus Christ and they say, I can't do it. I can't do it. And how we confront is we confess. And I believe this morning that there are some things in your cave that God wants you to begin to confront and God wants you to begin to confess. That there are some things that you need to begin to take down the rocks and you need to begin to go before God. And even in this holy moment and in this holy atmosphere, that as we begin to worship and as we begin to cry out to God, that there are some pains and some hurts and there are some situations that you are dealing with and depression and anger and frustration that you are dealing with. But that's because those are side effects of something deeper and you need to come before God and say, Lord Jesus, here is my cave. Here's everything in it. Here's everything, everything, everything. Here it is. I can't do it. I cannot fight this battle. The only way that I can fight is coming to you. The only way I can fight is coming to you. Do we have any men in here today that are so filled with the masculinity of the gospel that they're willing to come before Christ Jesus broken and saying, God, I need you. Here's my cave. And some of you had things in that cave for a long time. Molestations from when you were a kid. Crimes that you committed that you got away with that you don't want anybody to find out about. The way mom and dad were there or not there. There's things in your cave that you've had in there for a long time. God says, will you open up your cave? Watch what Joshua does. Joshua says, open up the cave, get these kings. And then Joshua does something interesting. He tells his men, he says, lay this king down right here. And he tells his men, he says, put your foot on the neck of this king. He says, I want you to feel victory. I want you to know what winning feels like. Some of you have been losing for so long, you don't know what winning feels like. 
You might get it once in a while, maybe an hour on a Sunday morning. Maybe when the worship's real hot. Maybe when the preaching's real fire. But Monday morning rolls around, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday. And, and, and Joshua said, I want you to put your foot on the neck of, of this king because I want you to feel what it is to be. You, you see, and this is the problem. We have two different generations today and this is the issue. One generation is this. Joshua is not the one who put his fit foot on the neck of the king. Joshua was not concerned in being the hero. Joshua was willing to let someone else be the hero. We have a generation of people that want to be the hero themselves, but they don't want to be hero makers. The other generation is this, is that they don't want to be told what to do. Joshua says, come put your foot on it. We have a generation that says, no, don't tell me. We, We have a generation that wants champions in the ring, but they don't want coaches. Right? They want crowns, but not crosses. Bring it up in the Q&A. Watch this. And so, and so I, want to, I want you to feel. There are some things I'm believing that as you begin to confront and confess in just a few moments, we're about to worship, confront and confess. Be vulnerable before God, broken. If you can do that, if you can give God it all and say, this is it. Then the Lord will fight mighty for you. And your kings will be under the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And you will once again place Jesus back on the throne of your heart where he belongs. Can we do that? Let's stand, church. Lord God, I pray that as we begin to respond with worship, that God, it will not be empty lips and routine motions, but Lord God, that every man in this room will go into his cave, call the kings out that have been controlling and commanding and dictating And Lord, that they will begin to confess them to you. That they will begin to cry out, God, to you. And that as that happens, Holy Spirit, that God, that you will take your rightful place back in the center of their hearts. And Lord, that they will begin to have victory in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.